What's going on, everybody, and welcome back for another episode of Triggered. This is Triggered episode number 83, and uh, we are matless today because he's sick as a dog. Sick as a dog. And I told him not to come to the office because we don't need to be infected with this plague. We already have plague running amok in the office. So, big story the past two days has obviously been the Democrats' obsession with, I guess, going down the road of impeachment. It's unclear at this point whether or not they're going to actually pull the trigger on that. And I would love nothing more than them to do that because I think that that would backfire immensely on them. But yesterday there was a meeting at the White House, which was interesting because, like, that morning Nancy Pelosi had said that Trump was engaged in a cover-up, which is hilarious. Talk about pot calling the kettle black. The whole left is engaged in a cover-up right now over what they did to start this hoax. But to me, the question is, how can you expect to run the government when this is happening? Right. Like, there obviously, there's an issue with you don't have continuity between the branches of government anyway. Obviously, Trump's Republican. There's a Democratic House. So from off the start, you're not going to get anything done there. But then for them to go further and essentially harass the president with what they've been doing, you're not going to get anything to work together on that. No. Like, there's no working relationship. And she has the gall to come to the White House and expect to talk about infrastructure after she says that he's engaged in a cover-up. And I love, I love that Trump basically walked into the room, said, you, I'm not doing anything until this all stops, and then walked right back out. And there also was a moment where... President Trump, I guess, had left the room and Kellyanne Conway was still there and tried to relay a message, I guess, for the president to Nancy Pelosi. And Pelosi essentially said, no, 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 I only talk to the president, not his staff. And Kellyanne Conway is like, oh, that's very pro-woman of you, Nancy. So things are heating up big time. And I think it's time for us as the right to realize that we essentially need to Fix bayonets and expect a full-blown battle here on impeachment. And you have to expect them to take you to an even new level of dirtiness. I think that Nancy Pelosi doesn't want to do impeachment, but a majority of her members do, but not a majority of the House. That's what's been reported thus far. And you have, uh, what's his name? I think it was Al Green, you know, real winner, real beauty, as President Trump would say. <laughs> And sorry, my, my throat's a little raspy today from the Yankees game last night. Tremendous win. But Al Green said, if we don't impeach, Trump's going to get reelected. So what does that say? They essentially want to all over the voters who put President Trump in the White House. And is that even correct analysis on his part, that if we don't impeach, he's going to get reelected? I mean, if you well, do... Well, I think that they believe their best chance to get rid of him is through this, as opposed to beating him in the election, which shows you where their actual mindset is. Oh, sure. But then there's also the argument that if they try impeachment, it's just going to pump up the base to turn them out. So, like, it, as you said yeah. earlier, it could backfire. It's, it's, like it's I mean, it's going to turn up the Republican base for sure. Right. I mean, that's that's going to be hot. So The, the temperature may... in this country is going to reach a new level if they actually go down the road of impeachment. Yeah. A little concerned. It may <laughs> be their only option, but it may guarantee him another four years. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think he's getting reelected either way. But at this point, and Senator Kennedy said this on the floor of the Senate yesterday, 
for the Democrats, either take a piss or get off the pot. Either do it or not. But let's not have this, like, pseudo half bullshit here where they're essentially subpoenaing... There was a great Babylon B story. They're like, Dem subpoena God asking what, how he can <laughs> allow Trump to be elected. I mean, that's basically what they're doing at this point. And not to mention that they're taking a all over personal financial privacy through this whole process by forcing these private companies to turn over Trump's financial information. Yeah, New York just passed legislation mm -hmm. that'll let Which, Congress get his tax returns. Interestingly enough, well, they're going to give them the state tax returns. Right, yeah. Interestingly enough, I was reading a Supreme Court decision this morning having to do, I think it was 25 years ago, actually today maybe, I was talking about this with Jonathan, that ruled that states cannot put arbitrary restrictions on getting on the ballot. So there's going to be a court challenge there. I can't wait till they sue New York over that. But all these states want to do that. They want to force Trump to turn over his tax returns. Otherwise, you can't be on the ballot, which, you know, most of those states are blue states. He's not going to win anyway. Yeah. But that can affect the popular vote. Yeah. And also talk about disenfranchising voters. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Billions of Republicans that won't have the chance to vote for their president. I mean, that's... I guess they could, like, write him in, but... Yeah, which I'm sure they will. Yeah. I mean, if Lisa Murkowski can win a write-in campaign, I'm sure, mm -hmm. you know, President Trump can get some votes out of it. But to me, this this whole back and forth, and, and President Trump is absolutely right to not negotiate, essentially, with them trying to hold him hostage and all of these subpoenas and requests for interviews and everything like that. This was all done. This was all done already by Robert Mueller who had infinitely more power than what the Democrats have in Congress. It was hundreds of interviews, hundreds of subpoenas, $50 million spent, and what do we have later? No collusion and no obstruction, but the Democrats seem to think that there is. So, but now I think they've also moved on from the fact of, yeah, we're not going to get him on that, but we can try to get him on his financial dealings from 35 years ago, which... I mean, that has nothing to do with the presidency. So, I don't know. It's going to be interesting, but I'm ready for a nice, long, protracted fight, and I think it's going to be tremendous for certain people, definitely the political class, and making tons of money off of this. So, yeah. it'll be quite know, the show. It's going to be a tremendous grift. Yeah. <laughs> so much grifting, as the left likes to say. But they're the kings of the grift. Let's not get started on that. So, this morning... The guy known as American Taliban, John Walker Lind, was released from prison. Served 17 years of his 20-year sentence, which, by the way... I know, right? 20 years? That's it? Why isn't it you, life? You oppose America in a war, and you're you're a terrorist, but 20 years. Well, 17. That's, yeah. that's To me, that's just absurd. Like, I don't, I don't understand... And, I mean, this was... He was captured under Bush, and I'm sentenced under Bush, apparently... I don't understand why he wasn't deemed an enemy combatant and just sent to Gitmo. Yeah. I mean, he shouldn't have citizenship, certainly. If you go to fight for terrorists... Oh, no, that should be revoked. Yeah, exactly. So... I, I should have gotten the uh, Anwar Awalaki treatment. Mm-hmm. Should just droned him. Exactly. And I love how the media is all like, well, you know, he did his time, blah, blah, blah. No, you don't do your time when you're a terrorist. No. Well, you, you, and it, you languish there for life. Right. And die in prison. When I read a report that he's apparently... Like, still radical. Yes. He's not yep. repentant. Yep. So, I mean, he's on probation or something. I'm like, oh, probation mm -hmm. for a terrorist. Like, that mm -hmm. doesn't... 
Yeah, like, that's the, pro- not the probation's really going to stop him from putting together a suicide vest and going in and clacking it off somewhere. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up going back there sure. or yep. does something here at home. That would it'd be well, tragic. Well, he certainly should be sent out of the country. You didn't keep him here. Like, what? what is that? Yeah. Well, wasn't he in prison in Alexandria here? Yes. Great. Yeah, he's in this area. Yeah. I know. He's Which is worse. Right in the DMV. <laughs> yeah. I'm, well, I'm sure the FBI is going to keep quite an eye oh, on sure. him. Oh, sure. But as they should, all four surveillance of terrorist suspects <laughs> legal surveillance, legal surveillance exactly. of terrorists exactly not yeah. presidential campaigns whoa <laughs> yes <laughs> there we go micah mr producer he's back in the game all right so here in the dc area across the river in maryland and prince george's county there was recently a gruesome gruesome murder of a teenager a teenager girl and just so happens of course that these murderers are illegals yep And the Prince George's Police Department had these people in custody and released them in defiance of a detainer. The government was going to deport him. And now she's dead. An American's dead because these people, you know, they got to be so woke and we, we can't abide by the ICE Nazis. So now this poor girl's dead and these two illegals, you know, they're they're going to spend their life in prison, I guess. But this just goes back to the fact these local police departments not abiding by ICE detainers is getting Americans killed. Well, it blows my mind because they were charged with attempted first-degree murder and other crimes to begin with. Mm -hmm. And then they were just let go? Yeah. That shouldn't happen to anybody, regardless of their whether they're a citizen or not. Yep. But why not hold these people? They killed this 14-year-old girl. Dumped her body in a creek. You know, trash. The Americans trash. But these illegals... You know, they're okay. They're going to live their life in prison, but... One of them had already been ordered for removal mm-hmm. from the country by an immigration judge. Yep. And there are millions, millions of illegal aliens in this country who have been adjudicated and ruled to be removed, but they're not. Yeah. I think it's two to three million now at this point. And what we really need, and and I'm happy that President Trump is finally thinking about an immigration czar to coordinate between the agencies that oversee illegal immigration and, you know, Customs and Border Patrol. Because you have a situation here where there's no longer a regard for American life over the life of others, and others meaning illegals. Like, oh, they call them the other, so racist. Yeah, well, I don't really give a honestly, because guess what? These illegals have no right to be in this country. They should be deported, they should be sent back to wherever the hell they came from, and they should stay there. And that's the other problem. We send these people out, they come right back. We send criminals out, they come right back. So do you keep them in American jail? Like, I, I, I don't know what you do here. And that's the problem is President Trump only has so much power on this. He, I mean, he's pretty much exhausted his executive power, I think. The Remain in Mexico policy was upheld. But, you know, that does a good job of keeping people from just flooding in and keeping them on the other side of the border. But there's nothing much more that he could do to secure the border without having full wall funding, funding for more agents, funding for more surveillance, funding for more weapons. I mean, they don't want to do anything. So we're stuck in this terrible situation. And really, the only way to solve this is to get the majority back in the House and get a 60 vote threshold in the Senate. Mm -hmm. Or at least get to 57, 58, and then you can hopefully get a couple of red state Democrats 
such as like Joe Manchin, who's really a Republican at this point, like let's be honest, to vote with us, mm-hmm. which that, that'll be really tough. So what we need to do is just go out there and win the election next year, really at this point, and hope that we, we get a big enough majority to actually do something about this, which who knows what the hell's going to happen. EU elections, speaking of elections, that is happening today. Nigel Farage just posted that he voted this morning. So tremendous, so tremendous. Hopefully the populist right-wingers are going to be taking a significant number of seats in the EU parliament. But the real drama is inside domestically in the UK. Theresa May, the embattled prime minister who was rumored to resign after Brexit was settled, which they've come nowhere close to a solution on, she is supposedly going to resign either tomorrow or Monday because she's essentially being forced out by the conservatives because the conservatives took whatever whatever you call it, an intra-party vote, essentially, that is sealed. The results are sealed. And if she doesn't resign tomorrow, they're going to unseal the vote. And it's rumored that inside the sealed vote and the mood in that room was that they were going to change the rule that says if you pass a vote of no confidence so that like you know if if you get past it and don't get kicked out that you can't have it again against you so now they can raise a new vote of no confidence and kick her out so basically she has a choice leave willingly or get kicked out because of her inability be humiliated or be humiliated (laughs) yeah yeah well and and the final push here came when she basically said well we might need a second referendum who takes her place if she resigns? Do they have a vote? Uh, there's an the... interim prime minister, and then they will pick a new one. Okay. Yeah. Do we know who the interim is right now? I don't uh, know. Some guy. Some guy. But the leading candidate to actually take the spot is some conservative Tory, whatever they call it over there, some conservative uh, member of parliament. Some, What's his name? Some... The anti-Semite's going to run for that, isn't he? Well, he can't. Oh, oh, oh that's right. That's right. Because the conservatives control it. Right. Well, so actually, they... The only way that that's going to change, that it's going to be a non-conservative prime minister, is a snap election. Because the other election, the real election doesn't take place until 2022, I believe. I believe it's a five-year five term. Okay. So, but then they called a snap election before, remember, and the conservatives mm-hmm. lost a bunch of seats. Morons. They called it on themselves. And <laughs> made this, this process was a lot more difficult because they lost, you know, I think it was like, 10 or 15 seats or something like that. And those 10 or 15 seats could have made this much smoother process. But yes, the anti-Semite Jeremy Corbyn will eventually try to become prime minister. And that's going to be scary. That's a scary prospect. Here, domestically, the anti-Iran hysteria, as the left is calling it, supposedly is at a fever pitch. We come to find out that the left... So, you know, the ones who negotiated this terrible Iran deal, like Ben Rhodes and all those people, the, you know, the Pod Save America D-bags, they're supposedly manipulating the messaging on this from behind the scenes. There's a shocker. All these left-wing media groups, you know, CNN, MSNBC, they're saying, oh, well, we should be careful with Iran. We should dial down the rhetoric. We should take their side against America is being manipulated by Obama people. Still, and they're consistently pushing the message that, you know, Trump is the evil guy. He's going to get us into World War Three, blah, blah, blah. Disregarding the fact that 
Iran and their terrorist government has killed thousands of Americans over the past few decades right. in the Middle East through proxy terrorist organizations, through their own military, through IEDs in Iraq. I mean, you have veterans who still have Iranian shrapnel in them here in America. When, when are we just going to accept that they're a bunch of terrorists? They're not rational actors. I don't think anyone wants another full-blown war over there. But the I'd same- take a full-blown war. <laughs> you know, I mean... But, but, I mean, at the same time, it's standing up to the leading sponsor of terrorism in the world mm-hmm. when they're, yep. there's intelligence reports that U.S. military forces are being threatened or they just, what, they blew up all those ships? Yeah, well, they blew up the oil tankers and they had missiles pre-positioned on ships to fire at U.S. troops. Right. And the U.S. interests in the region. But then they took those missiles off once President Trump was like, if you with us, I'll end you, essentially. Mm -hmm. Which was tremendous. Tremendous tweet, by the way. It was like, if they make that mistake, it will be the official end of Iran. I love what he said. The official end of Iran. (laughs) And these Obama officials are even going as far to meet with the terrorist Iranian foreign minister, Javad Zarif, the guy who's best friends with John Kerry, who, by the way, violated the Logan Act. And you know who else is violating the Logan Act right now? I think it was last night or the night before, you know, who had dinner with this terrorist here in America, which I don't even know why he's allowed to come here anyway. I don't know. She's from California. Oh, Senator Dianne Feinstein? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of the Foreign Relations Committee. What is going on in this country where these Democrats are just lining up behind Iran and the terrorists? And here's the thing, right? So people say, oh, well, North Korea is a bigger threat. They have nukes already. Okay, let's take that argument, right? Who's the more rational actor between North Korea and Iran? Definitely Un. Yes. Definitely North Korea. Yes. (laughs) And you know why? He wants to live. Well, one, he wants to live. (laughs) Yes, he's not willing to sacrifice his life for a greater cause. The greater cause being jihad. Right. I mean, it's clear that Iranian's government is full-blown kill the infidel. Look at what they're doing in the Middle East. Syria, Yemen, all of it. They're on board with that. So... They're irrational in that aspect, and that's what scares me the most about them. If I had to choose one country to live with either or of them having nukes, it would certainly be North Korea, because I don't think that they're going to be have, have enough balls to use it. Right. But Iran, all they have to do is supply it to some of their proxies, and there you go. Dirty bomb. Yeah. Done. And they could say, oh, that, that wasn't ours. Yeah. We didn't do that. And unlike Iran, North Korea has China restraining them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, you know, you, have you seen the movie The Sum of All Fears? I have not. Okay, great movie, first off. Great book, too. But this is one of the biggest fears that we've always had is that nuclear material or, a, you know, a nuclear bomb or something like that will fall into the hands of terrorists because they'll use it. They're not going to be afraid to, you know, just hold it back for self-defense because they don't have defense. You know, they, they're out there. They're offensive. Mm-hmm. They're jihadists. So that's what concerns me the most. And Trump has, you know, there's been all kinds of conflicting messages on this because the left wing media is pushing whatever they want to push. And then there's the real story. And then there's the half real story in between. So nobody knows what the hell's going on. And he even tweeted about these like, well, there's so many conflicting messages. Iran wouldn't even know what the hell's going on anyway. So I guess that's better for us. Who knows? And I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're just bad actors and a war wouldn't be great. 
But at the end of the day, I think that regardless, we're going to come to an armed conflict with them, whether it be now, whether it be five years, 10 years, 15 years. And in the next 15 years, it's indisputable that we're going to have a conflict with them because they're going to get to the point where they're going to have, I mean, they already have the delivery device. They have the ballistic missiles, which weren't included in the Iran deal. Yeah. Thanks, Obama. Yeah. Develop the delivery device so that you have it ready for when this deal expires in 10 years and you can make your nukes. That was a great, great deal. Great negotiator, that Obama. You know, he also traded five terrorists for one deserter, one traitor. So that shows you where he's at. And gave them a pallet of cash. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And do you remember how for the first year of the Trump presidency, Obama was nonstop chirping? Chirp, chirp, chirp. It's quiet now. Wonder why. Could it be that the walls are closing in? To use one of the typical Democrat phrases here, through the whole Russia fake news hoax investigation, the walls are closing in on President Trump. I think the walls are closing in on the Democrats, and they know it. And we're waiting for that IG report. That IG report is going to be amazing. And then he's going to declassify the FISA uh, stuff. Then there's all kinds of questions on this. Loretta Lynch, Jim Comey, Obama knew about all this. So when's Obama going to get asked, right? No media organization has reached out to the president for comment on this? That's odd, isn't it? Hmm. Wonder why. Could it be because they all love him and think he's a god? And then they have the gall to talk about Trump fans being coldists. They're the real coldists. All right, so, and we, we kind of just talked about this a little bit, but Islam's incompatibility with Western civilization. So, in general, I never trust people who don't like dogs. <laughs> There's one exception, and that's Matt. And Matt's, you know, he's okay with dogs now. He's getting better. But... In general, never trust them. You know who doesn't like dogs? Who? People of the Muslim faith. I they... put the caveat in. It's fundamentalist. Muslims. Okay, okay, okay. Fine, fine, fine. <laughs> Just to satisfy <laughs> you today. Yes, okay. you okay. have to say it. But, that's true. But that's true. <laughs> you look at you, the UK, right? They have these Islamic no-go zones where the police will not go. Mm-hmm. People have taken their dogs on walks on streets that they used to take their dogs on walks on for years. And now they'll have Muslims attack and kill the dogs in the streets just in the middle of the day and if you don't believe this look it up i mean it's real it is real they they hate dogs they just hate them they have signs posted that say no dogs allowed they're considered unclean animals yeah unclean (laughs) that's hilarious but so now you know they come to the u.s they come to the uk they come to the eu they want to impart their ways of their countries on our countries Mm mm-hmm it's the opposite of assimilation. I don't yeah. even know what that's called. Decimilation? Anti-assimilation? Yeah. I don't know. Or imperialism? Yeah, there you go. There's <laughs> go. Islamic imperialism. There's a new term for you. But in Spain, Muslims tried to get local officials to change the laws concerning presence of dogs in public spaces. They argued a dog's presence violates their religious freedom and their right to live according to Islamic principles. And then... When officials refused to do that, what did they start doing, these crazy people? They started poisoning dogs. They started feeding them poison in the streets. They'll feed them a treat laced in poison and kill them. And there's also been cases in the United States of, you know, blind people have service dogs. A lot of people have service dogs now. Some of them unwarranted, (laughs) but (laughs) that's a different topic. There's been cases where a Muslim taxi driver will deny a ride to someone with a service dog. Yeah. Which, which is legally insane. is not allowed. Yeah. 
you know, if it's just if it's a non-service dog, okay, you can you can deny that. But if it's a service dog covered by the Americans with Disabilities Act, which I know a lot about because you know I've done all that stuff for Town Hall, especially when we were building out our new office here. There's incredible amounts of regulations on all this stuff, and you cannot do that. You could get your medallion revoked for that. Mm -hmm. But that just shows you the lengths that they're willing to go to. And this was, let's take a guess where this was. Ilhan Omar's district, Minnesota, Minneapolis. There is a shock. Some of them uh, do quit. Mm -hmm. Like some will just Mm -hmm. be like, nope, not doing it. You got to wonder. I guess it was just due to the pattern in which the U.S. resettled these people. But you got to wonder how Michigan and Minnesota ended up being like, Somali strongholds. I don't know. I took for my language credits for undergrad. Mm-hmm. I took two semesters of Arabic. Yeah. And my professor in the second semester actually left because he got a job teaching in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And it's it is interesting. I don't know how, why that's the region or yeah. why those are the two. Well, states, I also but. read, and I don't know that this is fact, but I read that apparently during the resettlement process, they give these people like. A list of places that they can go mm-hmm. and eventually you know the word gets out that oh this area has a large Somali population so then they just keep piling in mm. and then eventually they establish dominance over the region and you know they have children and everything and it just perpetuates out from there and that's how you end up with you know areas that are just changed completely from where they were 20 years ago because in those areas a lot of the people who used to live there moved out. Right. Which you'd find me in that crowd if that was the case too. <laughs> but I mean, who wants to live in Minnesota or Michigan anyway? It's so cold up there. Yeah. yeah. I like the cold, but that's too cold for me. In the winter, <laughs> they're always in the negatives. It's like, you can't be doing that. But this is part of the larger discussion on immigration that we need to have right now because I watched the other day. Remember when Jim Acosta brought up the quote, on the Statue of Liberty. Yes. And Stephen Miller essentially like... He's like, that's you know, not immigration to, law. Yeah. That's a poem. <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, they, they conflate illegal and legal immigration mm-hmm. all the time as if it's one thing and it's completely different. But on the legal immigration side, you have the diversity lottery, mm-hmm. which just hands out tickets to people. And the vetting process is oftentimes two lackadaisical. I mean, it changed once President Trump came in, but that's how the San Bernardino shooters came in, the terrorists. So they need to change that, and they need to change the way the green cards are handed out in this country because, yes, if you want to bring your immediate family, that's fine, but you shouldn't be bringing your 12th cousin with you, right? right? They should have to go through the separate process. There has to be a line in which it's drawn in the family in which what's what's your most distant relative that's acceptable under this policy. To me, it would be the immediate family, your parents are parents one sibling. or siblings. Yep. Yes. And I mean, they, you know, sometimes they have a lot of siblings, but maybe you can set a cap. I don't know. Kind of arbitrary, but past siblings, there shouldn't, you know, there shouldn't be anything. And that's what they want to do is install this merit based point system, get rid of chain migration, get rid of the diversity visa lottery. So that's president Trump's plan. What's the Democrats plan? Open borders. Everyone comes in. You want to come here? No problem. Come on in. And that is a huge threat to the American way. And, I mean, you know, call that nationalist or whatever you want. But, to me, as long as it's not white nationalism, because that's bad, so bad. If it's nationalism, 
that's fine. Being proud of your country and being patriotic and wanting to preserve your country's way of life, the thing that's made this country so great for 200 and however many years it is now, 270-something, I think, or something like that, you can't just completely change that. Like, the world is different now. The way immigration patterns used to be were completely different. And you see that in the laws that we have where, you know, Mexico asylum seekers can't enter the country. They have to wait and do their asylum claim on the other side of the border. But South American countries, they just waltz right in, which is showing the changes in these patterns. These people are coming from further south now. So things have to be done to further solidify our immigration policy. Otherwise, things are going to get way out of hand. And then the other thing is, you know, these people come in and they're immediately on government assistance. That's costing taxpayer money. I, I could talk about this for forever. But the bottom line here is that you need to get on the phone and call your congressman, call your congresswoman, and, you know, they get offended about that now, when actually it is congressman is the correct term, even though it encompasses women, because they both end in men, point. Um, <laughs> but call them up and tell them you want President Trump's immigration plan to be passed. Yes, it's incomplete. It doesn't have the wall. But these reforms on legal immigration, and even if you, you know, make some sort of agreement with the Dems, you know, if you don't go too far, it needs to be done. That can that can really help stem the flow of the illegal immigration at the border. Because if you change these asylum laws and these people don't have an automatic in anymore, the flow is going to lessen. Because the word's out on the street down there. You come up with a family, whether it's your family or not, which is another issue, you're let in. And then you're given a court date or whatever, and you're released. And chances are you're not going to show up for that court date. I think it's, what, 70% don't show up? So something needs to be done. Get on the phones, start working, and get ready for this impeachment fight because it is going to be the fight of a lifetime. And God forbid, I, I think... Even if they pass it through the House, it gets to the Senate and goes nowhere. My concern, though, is that the people like Romney, Collins, and all them start folding and get closer. We get closer and closer to the 67 votes that they need. And then a couple of the spineless people are going to fall in line. And if they try to remove President Trump, that that'll be something like we've never seen. I don't even know what will happen, but it's not going to be good. So we need to stop this before it even gets close. And they've already said that not even all the Democrats support this. So if your rep is Democratic and you live in a liberal hellhole like we do here in Northern Virginia, call them up anyway and tell them. Because if they get enough calls from their constituents and they're in a somewhat moderate district, you know, if they're especially if they're in a red state, but it's a you know moderately blue district, they're going to be susceptible to pressure. So it's time to get out there, start fighting, get ready for a fight. And as I like to say, and Matt likes to say too, fix bayonets. All right, so we'll catch you guys on Tuesday. Have a great Memorial Day weekend. Don't forget to take some time to honor the great Americans who gave their lives in defense of this country. We'll see you on Tuesday. Thanks a lot for listening.